I told you a few minutes ago that this morning is going to be a a little personal for me, at least at the beginning, a little transparent, uh, which is good. Uh, You know, when 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 we're not transparent, uh, we we really are only fooling ourselves, are we not? Philippians in chapter 4. Last week we started a study that I'm calling uh, Striving Together in Confidence. Striving Together in Confidence. I made this statement and I believe it to be true. And uh, uh, I I hope you understand the context of what I'm I'm about to say, but I believe that, that confidence is contagious. If you are around confident people, that will rub off on you. Uh, just as fear, if you were around fearful people. Um, uh, now, I, I'm going to say something here, and it's not, it's not meant to be a, 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 a political shot, or it, it, it doesn't mean anything other than the fact it is evidence of what I'm trying to say. I know people who have become uh, absolutely obsessed with watching the news about covid and 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 i'm i'm not i'm not downplaying this is not about covid this is about allowing something to control you and that is contagious and when you when you are around that 24 7 whether it's right or not and and again that's my point whether is not whether the media is telling you the truth or not. That's, that's not what I'm saying. But you start to overreact to things and you lose balance. Confidence is something that is contagious. And if you are not around people who are confident in, in Christ, then you are... Li- are missing a huge opportunity to bolster your confidence in Christ. Does, does that make sense? <clears throat> Putting my confidence in God has been an incredible struggle for the last 40 years. I've been saved 40 years, a little over 40 years. And the entire time that I have been saved, I have struggled with putting my confidence in the Lord. And you you could be sitting there, wait a minute, you're a pastor. You have to have confidence. No, I'm human. I'm human first. Okay? As most of you know, I struggle with dyslexia. And <clears throat> sometimes it's worse than others. Um, uh, and and there, as I have been uh, in the last probably uh, 15 years or so, as I have owned dyslexia, I tried to hide it for years. Uh, the more I talk about it, the more people say, you know what, I do the same thing. I have the same thing. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of people that struggle with it. And I found that there are different types of dyslexia. Uh, mine, mine affects me more in, in, in words and not so much. It, it does in numbers, but not so much in numbers, but in words. Uh, an example would be the word um, though or thought are almost impossible for me to tell the difference. How many are with me on that? Okay. See, okay, we're, we're, you know. So when I'm reading and I come over the word thought, I have to stop and re-spell the word to to know which word it is. Uh, 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 What's what's another one? Uh, Tough or through. Those, Those words are like, I mean, for somebody like me, they're identical. And, 
you know, it's a struggle, okay? And, and, and I, hey, but you know what? That's how God made me. And I'm okay with that now. I haven't always. I struggled with embarrassment. I, I struggled with my classmates and my teachers growing up in the 60s telling me that I was stupid. How many of you have heard that? Okay, see, see what I mean? Okay, I'm not the only one. Now, now, obviously, educators know today a lot more about it than they did back then. The feelings of inferiority, because I, I, I remember, I remember, now my mom and dad aren't here this morning, so I can tell the story. <coughs> I remember when I was probably seven or eight years old, I brought home a report card that had all C's and one B. I did not have a D or an F. My folks were so excited, they took me to Kmart and bought me a new bike. Okay, I, you know, you talk about inferior, inferiority problems. <clears throat> So, but because of dyslexia, I had a million and one reasons why I could not serve God. Over the years, God slowly peeled back my pride and my unwillingness to serve him. And one day I just, I just gave up and, and I just surrendered everything to, to, to God. And I, I, I told God this. I said, God, and I, I still struggle with this, but I said, God, I may be stupid, but all that I have is yours. I still struggle with putting my confidence in God. But today, I can say, like Paul, we talked about last week, look at verse 13. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. This journey that I've been on for the last 40 years has taught me that I and myself can do nothing. But through Christ, I can do all things. God used people in my life. I told you that a minute ago that <clears throat> confidence is contagious, right? Mm -hmm. But God used people in my life, and I, I, I can't list them all because it's it would be impossible. But God used people in my life to help me catch the contagious bug. And my wife is one of those people. And I thank God for her and her willingness to, to not give up on me all, these, all those years. Because to be perfectly honest, I would have given up on me. And then one day, I believe it was when I was struggling with how God could use me. God took me back to a very, very, very uh, common passage that I had read multiple, multiple times. But for some weird reason, it just it took on a different perspective because of what God was doing at my heart at the time. And he opened my eyes to show me that I am not the only one in the history of the world that has struggled with problems. Because, you know, honestly, are we not selfish and don't we enjoy thinking that we're the only one that has a problem? Because we can then feel sorry for ourselves. But when we realize, wait a minute, other people are hurting too, it was like, oh, man. 
you can't feel sorry for yourself anymore. He took me to the book of Exodus, chapter 3, verses 9 and following. I'm going to read a few verses here in Exodus. <clears throat> Exodus chapter 3 and verse 9, it says, Now therefore, uh, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, <clears throat> that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work that you do in our lives. And Lord, I, I just ask that you would speak to our hearts this morning that you would help us, dear God, to grow in our confidence in you and not ourselves. We are so thankful and grateful for all that you do. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Moses, if you're familiar with this passage, and mo most people are, even, even people that did not grow up in church are, are somewhat, almost everybody knows Moses. Uh, mainly because of Charlton Heston, but um, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> uh, but Moses gave excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse why he could not serve God. Even to the point, if you read, if you go back and you read Exodus chapters three and four, it's him and God arguing. <laughs> And God finally gets fed up. In Exodus chapter 4 and verse 10, And Moses said unto the Lord, O Lord, I am not eloquent, neither therefore uh, uh, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. And, and most theologians believe that uh, Moses had... Uh, some sort of a speech impediment. More, more than likely, he stuttered or, or something along that line. Uh, we don't know for sure, but um, he had something going on that affected his speech. And he, and he felt incredibly inferior. In chapter 4, of verse 14, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. God, God got mad at him. And he said, Is not Aaron the Levite uh, thy brother? I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he cometh, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. So basically what, Mo, what God does is he, he gives in to Moses. And he says, Okay, Moses, I'm, I'm tired of fighting with you. And he, and he brings Aaron, his brother, in to basically speak for, for Moses. So, so in the movie, the way all that works out doesn't really happen that way. Moses, does, Moses in real life did not literally speak to Pharaoh. His brother did. <clears throat> so Moses, as we all know, went on to do incredible things for God. But what, what had to happen in Moses' life first? Did not his confidence in God need to grow? Absolutely. That's what the 40 years on the backside of the desert was all about. And I, I, I can't help but wonder if God, uh, after the after the 40 years, God says, okay, Moses, it's time for you to go. And he's like, I can't do it. Like, what do you, you know, it's almost like, okay, what have you been doing for the last 40 years? You've been, you've been walking with me. I've been showing myself to you. I can help you through this, Moses. And he just wouldn't let go. So often in our lives, way too often in our lives, 
we allow the circumstances of life to rob away from us God-given opportunities to serve Him. And it's often because of a lack of confidence in our Heavenly Father. Philippians chapter 4. Let's read starting in verse 10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the, le- <clears throat> at the last your care uh, of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. But now that I speak of respect of want, excuse me, not that I speak of respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am there, uh, therewith to be content. I know both how to abase and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Last week we talked about the byproducts of confidence. We talked about the fact that we, we can experience joy. In verse 10, he says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly. Uh, contentment. Paul says, look, I, I, have had, I have been rich and I have been poor, and I've learned how to live both ways. Paul, Paul was content. And then we talked about <clears throat> verse 13 last week the strength that comes with confidence. Paul, after verse 13, between 13 and 14, Paul changes gears a little bit and he, and he takes his focus off of what God has done in his life through confidence. But he starts to look at the people, of the, 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 the church in Philippi. And Paul <clears throat> had seen firsthand what the what the 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 people of this incredible church were capable of because of their their confidence in God. So point number 2 that we're going to be talking about is the people that practice confidence. The people that practice confidence. Let's look at verse 18. Notwithstanding ye have well done that ye, ha- <clears throat> that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye, <clears throat> now ye Phil- Philippians, know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving or receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again, unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound uh, to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of a prophetess the things which were sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, of sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Letter A this morning. Their eyes affected their actions. Their eyes affected their actions. They saw or they became aware of Paul's needs and they responded. There is a famous quote that I, that I could not find the author of the quote, but it is, you can uh, give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. The context of this portion, Paul, Paul's 
<clears throat> writing this letter dealing directly with financial support that the church in Philippi had been supplying over a, a, a number of years. Uh, they, had, they had been in, an incredible blessing to uh, Paul over the years. And uh, in, in this particular uh, uh, passage right here, Epaphroditus hand delivers the offering from the church to Paul. Now I have a picture for you here, just so you can put it in the context <clears throat> uh, where where uh, these two places are. So, uh, <clears throat> uh, oh man, this doesn't have it. Okay, Philippi is here. Okay, Paul is in Rome. So there are two routes that he could. I tried to get a map that showed the the inland route, uh, but I couldn't. So we don't know how. Uh, Epaphroditus traveled we assume that he traveled by sea so that he would have had to come all the way around all the way around all to, to Rome needless to say that would have been a very expensive and lengthy <clears throat> journey to make because I mean they, they wouldn't make just one they would have stopped all along the way it, it would have been it would have been several weeks if not months for him to make that journey the other route is an inland route where they could have come up and then back down uh onto the mainland of it what is italy now um so either way uh the the journey that epaphroditus made was one that was uh a lengthy at best uh some theologians believe that uh epaphroditus was the pastor of the church. And we're going to talk about this a little bit more, but if if Epaphroditus was the pastor of the church, he could have very easily hired someone or gotten a young person in the church to to do the delivery, if you follow my my logic there. So... Uh, the fact that he was named instead of just being identified as a courier uh, is an important fact because Epaphroditus was an important person in the church, probably the pastor. <clears throat> the church at Philippi had a reputation of being a generous church. Or did it, what did I say? Yeah, yeah, the church of Philippi, yeah. Uh, Paul used their generosity in the book of first first or excuse me second corinthians to 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 use the church of philippi as an example to the corinthian church of their generosity because the the corinthian church had a lot of internal problems is you know throughout you know first second corinthians paul is just ripping them because they're there there's a lot of fighting and bickering and stuff going on in there and the assumption is, at least my assumption is, that it was probably a, a, a re- relatively uh, wealthy church in the sense that Paul felt like they should be doing more to help. D- does that make sense? So in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, this is what Paul writes to them. In verse 1, it says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Now, now the churches of Macedonia, let, let me stop here and explain. Uh, Philippi is one of the churches in Macedonia, okay? Um, but what, it, what was going on was that the, the church in Jerusalem, because of the persecution and all of the problems at the church in Jerusalem, Paul had organized a large offering amongst all of the New Testament churches to help the church financially, not not just the church, but the the people in the church uh, financially, because they were were really having a hard time. So that's what Paul's talking about here. This, This is the context of the offering that Paul's talking about here, is you have people in Jerusalem 
Christians in Jerusalem that were starving to death because they, once they got saved, they more, more often than not, they lost their jobs. Uh, they also were excommunicated from their families and they, they would lose everything. And here, these, these, these Christians were, were, were literally starving to death. And Paul was so burdened for him, he collected this, this offering. And, and, he was, and the, the purpose of it was to go to the believers in Jerusalem. So, <clears throat> verse 2, How that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and deep poverty abounded unto riches of their liberality. <clears throat> okay, this is talking about the churches in Macedonia. Specifically, most theologians believe it's specifically talking about the church of Philippi. For, their, for to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of, of themselves, praying for us with much entreaty, that we would receive the gift. In other words, when, when the, <laughs> the, the church gave the money to Paul, Paul said, no, you can't, this is too much. And they said, no, take it. They need it more than we do. That's the kind of church this was. Praying for us with much entreaty and <clears throat> taking upon us the fellowship of the ministry of the saints. Now, I want to I want to stop right here. Anytime you talk about money in church, people cringe. You know, number number one, that, that's wrong. Okay. <laughs> uh, but I want to make two things perfectly clear. Okay. And please, please get my heart about this because this is these are two very important things. Number one. Our church, Grace Baptist Church, is a generous church. There is no question about it. We have some of the most giving, loving people I've ever met in my life. And I praise God for that. But giving is an important part of our confidence in God. Okay, it is. Now, I, 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 I'm going to say something. I, it's not in my notes. <laughs> Why does God give us money? To hoard it? To put it in the bank? To give it away. Now, God gives us wisdom to put money away for rainy days and so on and so forth. That, that's not what I'm talking about. But if we are not actively giving money away, it is a direct reflection in our confidence to God. If we are hoarding money, it is a direct reflection of the fact that we have a lack of confidence in God. Secondly, <clears throat> There are many ways to give. Okay? Most of it, you, you use the word give in church, everybody grabs their wallet. Okay? And, and <laughs> that's, you know, you, 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 you have to get a hold of the heart of God. Because there are a lot of ways to give. There are more ways to give than just money. One of my favorite verses in all of Scripture is in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 15 to 18. It says, I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Get that. Yeah, don't laugh. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Isn't that an awesome thought? I mean, they just didn't just do it for the fun of it. They were addicted to it. That ye submit yourselves unto such, and to everyone that helpeth with us and laboreth, 
I am glad of the coming of Stephanus, Fortunus, and Achaicus, for that which was lacking on your part, they have supplied, and they have refreshed my spirit and yours, wherefore acknowledge ye them that are such. Let me put it to you, 21st century English. There was a group of men from a church in Achaia, Fortunus, Stephanus, and Achaicus. And they came to where Paul was. And they met needs that only they could meet. Let, let me say this. Uh, when I was, when I, when I was <clears throat> on staff at the, the, the Bible college that I went to, I also taught, a, I was also a professor. And I, the class that I taught, I made, the, I made all my students memorize this passage. That's what Ash was laughing about because they hated me because this is a hard, hard passage to memorize. And they used to yell at her because they all knew her. Um, <clears throat> but I used to tell my students, look, each of you has been given a certain group of talents and abilities that are unique to you. And God wants you to use them to further the cause of Christ. And the reality is this. God wants your talents and your abilities far more than he wants your wallet. Hello? Amen. It was really quiet. <laughs> in reality, in reality, it's easier to give money than to give yourself. It does. It does. When we possess confidence in God and we encounter a need like the, like the church in Philippi, we have to respond. And not only that, let me say this, not only do we have to respond, but we, would, we want to respond. That's what confidence does. Number, number one, uh, their eyes were uh, affected. Their actions, letter B, their actions made, make a difference. Their actions make a difference. Look at verse 17. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit <clears throat> that may abound to your account. Well, Paul, Paul was saying, look... I, this is not about padding my pockets. This is, this is what Paul's saying. This is not about me needing money. This is about you needing the blessing of God in your life. Because Paul, Paul was confident that whether the church at Philippi gave a dime, his needs would be met somehow. But because the church of Philippi was so generous, God was pouring his blessings out on them. His desire was solely to see the blessings of God poured out on the lives of these people. I want to give you a Bible truth here. Investing in the things of God will yield eternal dividends. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Given it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, <clears throat> and running over shall men give, to, give un, uh, unto your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet, uh, whether it shall be measured to you again. Now, I, I very quickly, I want to go through this verse very, very quickly. Uh, <clears throat> with good measure... Uh, uh, good measure means that it, it is an honest measurement. Because see, back then, you, you, you have to understand that the, 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 when they went to the markets, the, the, the scales and the, 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 the measuring cups were not always honest. You, you know, uh, so, <laughs> so that's what he's talking about, good measure. 
pressed down. Uh, those of you that uh, do, uh, now I don't cook, okay? I, I, I don't cook, I cook cereal. Um, uh, <clears throat> um, but the, uh, the, the, the idea of press down, I, I watch my wife in the kitchen and, and whenever she, she does uh, brown sugar, okay? Okay, you put brown sugar in a cup, and what do you have to do? You, you have to press it down, right? Get all the, and then otherwise you don't get an accurate measurement, right? Okay, but that, that's what this press down is, is referring to. You, you put it in, you press it down, put a little bit more in, like Steve's ice cream. Have you ever watched him put ice cream in? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, awesome stuff. It's worth coming up from Vegas just to go to Steve's. Um, uh, okay, shaking together. Let me let me tell you. Um, yesterday, uh, Friday. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, in the last couple of days, my wife bought a box of Cheerios, and <clears throat> she likes to keep them in a little Tupperware thing. Well, she normally she normally <laughs> buys the, the 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 normal size, I guess. Uh, but she got a deal at Smith's and she got the jumbo size so I poured it in and it all didn't fit so I had to I had to do like this and and what what happened to the the Cheerios that I poured some more in like this and she said what are you doing because their Cheerios are falling on the floor and the dog's going wild you know <laughs> But what it was I do, I was shaking it. I was shaking it so that every, every Cheerio I could get in that stupid container would fit. And then the next thing it says, and running over. Yeah, those are the ones. And when I put the, when I put the lid on, the thing, it was bulging. Okay? I mean, it, the, it, the, I'm surprised the lid even stayed on. <clears throat> But see, that's how God gives back to us. Isn't that awesome? In the financial investing world, there's something called, called ROI, or, the, or that stands for return on investments. Okay? And a decent ROI is about 12%. You know, if you can get 12%, you're doing okay. An incredible ROI is when you can double your money, which does not happen very often. But there is no ROI that compares to Scripture. Mark chapter 8, verse 36. For what, profit a, pro, for what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul. See, Jesus here establishes the worth of a soul. And he says, the worth of a soul is the whole world. When we invest in the things of God, we are investing in something a whole lot bigger than we are. I don't know about you, but it, <laughs> it takes a lot of faith to, to, to invest in the markets. Okay? Think, think about that. I, I sat down, I thought about it. I thought, you, you know, you give your money to an investor, most of the time is, is somewhat of a stranger. Okay? So you're giving all this money to a stranger so that he can use his or her experience to purchase stock on your behalf to invest in corporate America with money-hungry CEOs and FSOs and all of this stuff and you're trusting all of this so that you can get back more money? If that ain't faith, I don't know what is. <laughs> yeah, it's just the wrong kind of faith. Now, I'm not talking. I'm not saying don't invest in the market. That's not what I'm saying. 
So just do it wisely. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 9. Uh, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For <clears throat> he that soweth to his flesh shall of his flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season ye shall reap, if ye faint not. <clears throat> have another unknown quote for you. Uh, <clears throat> giving is not a debt we owe. It is a seed that we sow. I like that. I like that. Okay. <clears throat> letter A. Well, uh, uh, their eyes affected their actions. Letter B. Their actions made a difference. Letter C. <clears throat> their actions exposed their hearts. Their actions exposed their hearts. They, they exposed their hearts in three ways. Verse 15. Now, ye Philippians, know also that in the beginning of the gospel... When I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. Translation of that, no other church was even coming close to being a blessing to Paul than the church of Philippi. And, and that, that, that is a shame. Now, I'm on a... I'm on a I want to talk about something here very quickly because it's important. There's an important word in, in verse 15, and that is the word communicated. The, the word communicated there literally means to participate. So not only was this church sending financial help to Paul, but they were communicating they were participating in Paul's ministry and and again I want to I, I told you that this is going to get personal here for a minute Grace Baptist Church has a missions program and we have people in our church they give a lot of money every month every year to missions and I praise God for that but our responsibility does not stop at the almighty dollar. We are, to, we are supposed to be communicating. We are supposed to be a part of the ministries that we support financially. When is the last time you stopped at the mission board and read a, the, the mission letter about our missionaries? When is the last time you took a few minutes uh, <clears throat> and dropped an email to one of our missionaries asking how they're doing or how their family was doing. Do you know how lonely it gets on the mission field? I would love one day, I, obviously we can't afford it, but I would love one day to be able to do a mission trip and visit some of our missionaries. Be a part like Epaphroditus did. Be a part of the ministry. Don't, don't just send money. But be a part of it. Communicated. They, they did more than just give money. The second way <clears throat> is their hearts were repetitive. Look at verse 16. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity. They they just didn't, they didn't throw some money at them and say, okay, Paul, you're good. Chances are the, the person, whoever, that delivered the money to Paul <clears throat> when he was in uh, Thessalonica saw that Paul was still in need and went back to the church and said, hey, Paul still needs more. So they took up another offering and sent it again and again. I want to read you something that <clears throat> I'm not going to read the whole thing but I want to read you something that is, is, is precious to me 
about once a month. And I've been getting these once a month for, I don't know, a few months now. But there's a, there's a, a man, a brother in Christ, who's incarcerated at the Lovelock Correctional Institution. And he sends me a monthly letter with a, with a tithe check in it. And this is, this is part of the letter. He said, this small tithe is a uh, <clears throat> continuation of his blessings to me and first fruits to him. This guy's incarcerated, yet he sees the blessings of God in his life. I am finally learning to put his word into action. I pray that these, and he has a dollar sign, <clears throat> are multiplied and blessed as the fish and bread were when he fed the multitudes. What an incredible, I, I, I'll tell you what, I, I, go to the, I go to the mailbox once, you know, and every time I open the P.O. box, <clears throat> I, I look to see if I got a letter from him. I, lo I love these letters. It's not about the money. It's about his heart and the growth that God is doing in his heart and his life. And I can say this with all the sincerity that I can muster. I have no clue who gives what in our church. You can ask Bonnie. I have no clue. They hide all that from me so that I can treat everybody equal. But I can, I can probably guess that this guy in prison gives more to our church than some of us. And that's sad. The third thing, their hearts were worshipful. Look at verse 18. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. When we give, serve, sacrifice. It should be to God. Not so that people can, can, can pat us on the back and say, job well done. That's not what it's about. It is not to promote us, but to promote Him. And that's exactly what Paul does here. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. Ye also as living stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual uh, sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. At the beginning of the message, I told you that I, I, I struggle with putting my confidence in God, and I do, just like, just like everybody else does. But I am so thankful that he has never given up on me. And that I'm still a work in progress. Now, have I come a long way? I sure hope I have. I think I have. I want to close with two verses that have been a great encouragement to me through the years. The first one is Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, 
to give you an, uh, an, an expected end. His plan for me is perfect. Let me, let me say that again. His plan for me is perfect. You say it. His plan for me is perfect, including dyslexia. including whatever else he has for me in my life. His plan for me is perfect. His thoughts are thoughts of peace, not evil. What, what do you think God is trying to communicate through Jeremiah here? Oftentimes, when, when hard things come, we think, why is God punishing me? There were many years with dyslexia. I struggled with it, trying to figure out why God would, quote, unquote, curse me with that. In reality, it was a gift. The other verse that I go to often for encouragement is in 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 17 or verse 7, excuse me. Casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work that you do in our lives.